President Tsai Ing-wen has set off on a 10-day tour of Central American allies with high-profile stopovers in New York and Los Angeles. Tensions are expected to flare in New York City as pro-China groups gear up to protest the visit. But Taiwan's expat community is preparing to fight back to roll out the red carpet for the president. President Tsai Ing-wen led a group of officials in a ceremony at the National Revolutionary Martyr Shrine. She left the venue accompanied by National Security Council Secretary General Wellington Ku and Presidential Office Secretary General Lin Jialong. After three years with no trips abroad, the president boarded a plane at midday, kicking off a 10-day visit to Taiwan's Central American allies. Taiwan is resolutely committed to defending the values of freedom and democracy. We will continue being a force for good in the international community, feeding virtuous cycles and strengthening the resilience of global democracies. Taiwan is a key force in the global economy and will continue pursuing prosperity together with its allies. In the world, Taiwan is Taiwan. Making Taiwan go international and bringing the world to Taiwan is an important goal for our administration. External forces will not shake our determination to go global. We are collected and confident. We will not give in or provoke others. Tsai's trip includes a transit in New York. Last time she was in New York in 2019, the China Council for the Promotion of Peaceful National Reunification organized protests in the city. This time around, the organization held a press conference in Chinatown to decry Tsai's visit. Tsai Ing-wen sneaks into the U.S., destroying the development of cross-strait peace. We resolutely oppose any form of Taiwan independence. I think they are trying to make use of this opportunity, as nobody from Taiwan has come in the past few years due to COVID, so it's a chance for them to act. The U.S. is paying a lot of attention to this visit by President Tsai Ing-wen. This was originally just a matter for the Manhattan precinct, but now even police from the 109th precinct from Flushing have been contacted. I asked them, and they said that their headquarters were watching the situation closely. The New York Police Department will be on guard for potential scuffles. The Overseas Community Affairs Council also has an ace up its sleeve. Some people will bring megaphones, so if they bump into large groups of protesters making a lot of noise, they will have a way to fight back. Overseas compatriots from many cities are really looking forward to the visit. There will be a bus coming up from Washington, D.C., and many people will be driving six to seven hours from Pittsburgh expressly to take part in the banquet. With Tsai on the way to the U.S., preparations from both supporters and detractors are in full swing. Meanwhile, in China, former President Ma Ying-jeou is on the third day of his closely-watched Chinese tour. He made a stop at the Nanjing Massacre Memorial Hall to pay tribute to the victims. The former president was visibly emotional after his visit, telling reporters that, quote, Chinese people on both sides of the strait must learn from the past and bravely resist foreign aggression. Nanjing on the third day of his China tour, former President Ma Ying-jeou made a stop at the Nanjing Massacre Memorial Hall to lay a flower for the victims. Clad in a black tie and holding a white flower, Ma was grave as he observed a moment of silence. Standing beside him was Chen Yuanfeng, 
deputy director of China's Taiwan Affairs Office, with whom he exchanged only brief pleasantries. After laying his flower for the victims, Ma entered the memorial hall. Taiwanese media were barred from filming, but when he emerged, it was clear that the historical materials on display had made a deep emotional impact. Mr. Ma, what struck you the most about your visit to the memorial today? I have never been so profoundly affected as I was today. We Chinese must learn from this war of resistance against Japan. As Chinese people, regardless of which side of the strait we're on, we must bravely resist foreign aggression. During the course of our fight against the Japanese, we suffered tremendous humiliations. Ma twice referred to himself as Chinese in his remarks, and he was addressed as Mr. Ma by Chinese media. Notably, local officials made a point of restricting media questioning. These four reporters will ask questions, no one else, all right? Foreign media predicted that the two sides of the strait may engage in conflict and that they may reunify through force. What do you think the two sides of the strait should do? The two sides should strive to avoid war and to seek peace. He's long touted his Taiwan upbringing, but on this China tour, Ma has yet to mention the word Taiwan. His China-leaning rhetoric has drawn scrutiny back home, with critics weighing the implications. Taiwanese artist Chang Ling is currently holding a solo exhibition in Taipei that explores war-related topics like emergency response measures, daily necessities and survival through a series of paintings and installations. Our very own Stephanie Yang spoke to Chang to find out more about his works. Walk into the exhibition and you will see a series of paintings and installations. This oil painting is titled War Preparation Unreached Ruins 2. It is Tang Ling's interpretation of what war may look like. He drew fighter jets, buildings that have been bombed, and ruins. What this work is expressing is an unreached ruin. That is to say, ruins usually exist because of something that has already happened. Something became ruined because of an event that occurred. But within an unreached imagination, it is not about recording the history of the past. Rather, it is an imagining of a foreseeable future. I drew fighter planes flying by, some buildings that have been bombed, and groups of people dancing among the ruins. There's also a series of works by Zhang Ling called Pseudo-Arrogance. The project comprises old black-and-white photos that Zhang Ling collected over 20 years ago, showcasing what everyday life was like in Taiwan in the 1940s. Some of the photos were found in old military dependents' homes, and some were passed down by his own family. The works explore colonization. I have been collecting these old photos for several years. Many of them were collected after people threw them away. I took old photos, which were probably from the 1930s and 1940s, and then drew on top of them. After drawing, I would shoot the photo again, then zoom in on it. On top of a historical overlap, my subjective copy is on top of the historical photos of the past, thus forming a multi-layered and more complex expression of ideas. Tang Ling studied in France in 1996 and developed a high interest in economics, politics, culture and public affairs. After returning to Taiwan in 2005, he began creating various works that explore his home, Taiwan. In his latest solo exhibition in Taipei, Tang Ling created paintings and installations 
installations to examine the challenges of war and to delve into topics such as war preparation, emergency responses, daily necessities and supplies, and survival. What I want to express through this exhibition is that there is a sense of urgency in the world today due to geopolitical tensions that may cause various countries to face imminent crises. What kind of crisis will Taiwan face? This is a very important question to address. I think that, as an artist, it is my social responsibility to express these things through an exhibition. The exhibition will be on at the MoCA studio in Taipei until May 7th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lu Botong in Taipei. Seven million eggs will be flown into Taiwan this week as the government attempts to solve a national egg shortage. The first of the imports went up for sale on Wednesday, sending shoppers rushing to snatch them up. The eggs are now available at hypermarkets and grocery stores with an average price tag of 7 NT each. Starting April, 30 million eggs will be flown in each month from countries including the U.S., Japan, Australia, the Philippines, Brazil and Turkey. As egg imports increase and domestic production stabilizes, Taiwan's market is expected to snap back into shape by late April. Today we meet Anna, a Polish resident of Taiwan, who is showing the world what everyday life in Taiwan is like. Her popular YouTube channel features ubiquitous Taiwanese sites like convenience stores, grocery markets and breakfast shops. She's been living in Taiwan for 15 years and is raising her family here. She says she has no plans to return to Europe anymore, but her first contact with Taiwan was when she was just five years old. With nothing but an ordinary cell phone and a pair of Bluetooth headphones, Anna can produce a YouTube video anywhere. Anna's channel features videos from all over the country on topics ranging from cultural differences between Poland and Taiwan to the minutiae of daily life or major events. From taking her parents of a tour of Taiwanese breakfast diners to enjoying the most authentic stir-fry restaurants and grocery shopping at traditional markets. It's not an exaggeration to say Anna is an alternative tourist ambassador for Taiwan. In front of her lens, the quotidian routines of Taiwanese people become a fascinating novelty, and many viewers wonder how her Chinese can be so fluent. I studied Chinese at university. I was always very interested in learning Chinese. I was thinking about whether I wanted to go back to Europe to be a teacher. But living in Taiwan is very nice, so I decided to start running this channel based on Taiwanese topics. Anna came to Taiwan 15 years ago. Her link with the country began when she was just a child with a weather report. When I was small, I was watching the weather forecast with my grandpa, and the last place in the report was Taipei. I told my grandpa I am Taiwanese. He thought it was just childish prattle. He didn't think anything of it. I never thought I would really achieve this kind of dream. 
But now her childhood assertion is true. She's raising her family in Taiwan with the full support of her parents. Every month, my dad sends me a spreadsheet showing me how well my channel performed this month. He sends me that table. It's so touching. Now that Anna is settled in Taiwan, her story with the country still has many chapters waiting to be written. The Speaker of the Czech Parliament's lower house, Markita Pekarová Adamová, has wrapped up her five-day stay in Taiwan. Just before her departure, she signed 11 memorandums of understanding to pave the way for closer collaboration with Taiwan. She also signed a parliamentary friendship pact with Legislative Speaker Yoshi Kun. Speaking at the foreign ministry, the Czech speaker held her visit as a success and said her country would continue to pursue deeper ties with Taiwan. Czech speaker Marketa Pekarová Adamová and legislative speaker Yoshi Kun stand side by side. Taiwan and the Czech Republic on Wednesday signed a friendship cooperation agreement between the parliaments in a display of unity between democracies. Although this trip to Taiwan, our Taiwan mission, so to speak, has been fruitful, the fight for universal values such as freedom, democracy and human rights does not end here and will never end. I also firmly believe that we will both continue to strive to defend our shared values and to deepen our bilateral relationship. Putin and Xi declared that they were driving changes not seen in 100 years in a challenge to the current world order. This agreement shows the concrete steps we are taking to counter the axis of evil. The Czech speaker said that her five-day visit to Taiwan had been very fruitful. All in all, Taiwan and the Czech Republic signed 11 memorandums of understanding to deepen bilateral cooperation. Pekarová Adamová explained that she had carefully chosen her attire for the event to reflect the colors of the flags of her own country and Taiwan. I chose red because I know that's the main color of the flag of Taiwan. Czechia's flag also has red. And also, for people in Taiwan, red is the color of happiness and success. Direct flights with Prague will start operating in July, so people can come to the Czech Republic and do some shopping. The Czech speaker promoted a new direct flight between her country and Taiwan. She again voiced hope for closer bilateral exchanges in the future, stressing that the Czech Republic stood firmly with Taiwan. Attention, Ubag users, get ready to write for free. Starting next January, Taipei will bring back its policy of not charging for the first 30 minutes of a Ubag rental. Taipei Mayor Zhang Wan'an is also promising more bikes and smarter system management. Let's hear from him. Our current plan is to slightly increase the number of bikes in the first half of the year by adding 1,780 units. After we reintroduce the policy of free rides for the first 30 minutes, we will of course introduce more effective bike management. To that end, we are already carrying out big data analyses. Turnover for each bike will increase, of course, but we hope that it will stay within the current values by optimizing the system. We're planning to introduce complementary measures in the first half of next year, starting January. We're making preparations for that. 
The free rides are expected to increase U-bike usage even more, and that could cause a bike shortage in busy areas. But the mayor says that big data will be used to optimize the rental system to ensure that supply keeps up with demand. First time Taiwan and Italy have jointly organized an exhibition in Taiwan to showcase Italy's latest award-winning designs. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to the Italian representative to Taiwan, Davide Giglio, to learn more about the latest design exchanges between Taiwan and Italy. The Italian Compasso Design Award was established in 1954. It is the oldest and most prestigious in the design industry. So far, there are only 379 works that have won this top honor. This is a beautiful edition of Italian Design Day here in Taipei. Now, some of those award-winning masterpieces are on show at the Songshan Cultural and Creative Park. The exhibition will be held till April 5th. It was organized by the Italian Economic Trade and Cultural Promotion Office, the Italian Industrial Design Association, and the Taiwan Design Research Institute. Aside from the exhibition, they are also showcasing Italian books at the Not Just Library. The library was once a bathhouse built in 1937. Last year in December, the Taiwan Design Research Institute and the Italian Association of Industrial Design signed a memorandum to uh, promote exchanges and create a platform for um, partnership and cooperation. Uh, Taiwan has a famous award, which is the Golden Pin, and Italy has the um, Compasso d'Oro. The two uh, associations are working together, inviting each other and creating uh, opportunities to exchange visits and also exchange experiences in the field of design. We want to create uh, objects together in Italy and in Taiwan that are functional, uh, that are sustainable. I think this is a challenge that uh, everybody in the design world is interested in, uh, in meeting. The Italian representative to Taiwan, Davide Giglio, says both Taiwan and Italy are among the largest manufacturing countries in the world. Taiwan is a leader in semiconductors, while Italy is a leader in the automotive sector. Therefore, he sees great potential in cooperation between the two countries. Italy is very strong traditionally in the uh, automobile sector, uh, but Taiwan is also developing uh, uh, a line of production, and there are companies in uh, Taiwan, such as uh, Onai, Foxconn, that have entered into joint ventures with the Italian companies and they are starting to produce electric vehicles and the design is made by Italian companies so far. So this is an area where clearly there is a, a success story between Italy and Taiwan. In areas such as robotics, for instance, where Italy and Taiwan are also developing fast their industries, we can uh, find other opportunities to cooperate. So biotechnology, electric uh, mobility, um, I think these are all areas where uh, Italy and Taiwan can do uh, together. Giglio says that Taiwan and Italy's relationship has been flourishing despite the pandemic. He sees lots of potential for more cooperation. Italy has a tradition in that because uh, uh, artisan history, um, university especially uh, catered towards the design uh, culture. Uh, but with Taiwan, I think we have a lot to do. It's robust. It's uh, 5.6 billion US dollars. Um, it's a very balanced exchange. Um, there is no deficit on both sides. They're very uh, equal. 
So it's a healthy relationship that we have uh, with Taiwan. It keeps growing, uh, not only in traditional sectors such as machines or chemical or uh, fashion, but also agri-food. Recently also pharmaceuticals, uh, the Italian pharmaceutical products. Taiwan, of course, is very strong in ICT and uh, they export a lot to, to Italy. So I think it's a very healthy and balanced uh, trade relationship and it has been growing also during COVID. Uh, and it looks very promising also for the coming years. The annual Milan Design Week is the largest annual design event in the world. It will take place in Milan from April 17th to 23rd. Giulio invites everyone to visit if they happen to be in Italy during that time. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Lee Han in Taipei. Catholic priest Giancarlo Michelini is the newest recipient of the prestigious honor, the commander of the Order of the Star of Italy. The priest has lived in Taiwan for six decades, and he's the founder of the iconic Lanyang Dancers in Ilan County. On Wednesday, Michelini was decorated by Italy's representative in Taiwan on behalf of the Italian president. I have lived here for 60 years. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Taiwan. Our goal is to take Taiwan's culture to every country, so that more countries love Taiwan. It's really brought together Italy and Taiwan uh, at so many levels that uh, it's a small token of appreciation. And I think it's still important to, um, to give to you in recognition of uh, uh, your service. Michelini came to Taiwan at the age of 29. Soon after, he founded the dance troupe in Ilan's Luodong Township. The group has since toured all over the world and even became the first troupe to dance before the Pope. Michelini also helped to create the Ilan International Children's Folklore and Folk Game Festival. In 2017, he made history by becoming the first foreign national to get Taiwan citizenship through his cultural and artistic contribution.